0: Thank you, Pastor David, thank you for the people bringing their testimonies. Testimonies are always great, and all the people said. Yes, amen. All right, I'll get you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus and chapter 11, please. Uh, Chapter 12, I'm sorry, and uh, verse 11. Uh, I want to talk about feasts. Now, most of us like feasting, don't we? It's... um, yeah, I think it's one thing which is universally popular, is eating. And um, in all different cultures, they uh, they have their feasts, and uh, they uh are usually to celebrate something. And, um, and so uh, I just want to look at a few things about that today. And uh, here in uh, Exodus chapter 12, uh, we're going to start reading in verse 11. And it says, Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff on your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, just the background, which many of you would know, is that the children of Israel had been in Egypt for hundreds of years and they'd been put in slavery by the Pharaoh. And uh, the time had come for them to be delivered. And uh, Moses was raised up by God to lead them out and uh, he went and spoke to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh kept changing his mind. He didn't want to lose the free labor. And eventually there was going to be a terrible plague that would go through the land, and it would smite the firstborn on each of the Egyptian households. Uh, but the Israelites, provided that they slew a lamb and painted the blood of the lamb over the doorposts and the lintels of the uh, of the house that the angel of death would pass over. And so it was called the Passover. And uh, so this is what they were to do. They were to get ready. There was a big event going to happen. It will come to pass that the land of Egypt this night that, uh, uh, and will smite, that I will pass through and I will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I've executed judgment. I am the Lord. God is a very jealous God. He doesn't like com- competition from other gods who are not really gods at all. They're just the imagination of people's minds. People fall for it. The blood shall be no uh, shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy it when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations you shall keep it a feast for an ordinance forever and so it was the feast of the passover also known as the feast of unleavened bread which was associated with it and uh, so this was what this was a feast that god said that they should observe and they observed it annually but we'll go over to chapter 20 when moses went up to uh, the the uh, mount uh, mount sinai in chapter 20, and uh, we start reading there um, of the Ten Commandments that were given. And we read in verse 1 And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt down to the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. By the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto unto them that love me and keep my commandments. So he made it very, very clear they were not to make any other gods. They were not to make any images and they were not to bow down before them. Now Moses and, and Joshua, as it happens, were still up on the mount And lo and behold, they're breaking this commandment already down on the plain. If we go over to chapter 32, and we read there, starting in verse 1, uh, when the people saw that Moses delayed (coughs) to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, as his brother, and said unto him, Up, make us gods, uh, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, this man that brought as i out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. He was a what not. And, and, and Aaron said unto them, bring out the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. Good idea getting them out of their ears anyway, particularly the boys. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it, a golden calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Oh, not good. They not only made this uh, pagan god, this uh, this image that they made out of all of the jewellery that they had there, they just tried to cover up by dedicating it to God. And God said, no, thank you. I've already told you I don't want you to make anything like this and you have the audacity to dedicate it to me. I'm not impressed. And they rose up early in the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And so this was the type of uh, feast that they were having. Now, whereas God had told them to have the feast of the Passover, and the word that was used to describe the feast there uh, implies that there would be a sadness about it, there would be a sacrifice, there would be a victim. The victim was the lamb. And these things were all foreshadowing the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. And so uh, instead of this, they put on a wild party and uh, they sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. And the the word that is used uh, here uh, to talk about them playing, the Hebrew word, which I won't endeavour to try and pronounce because I don't think we've got any Hebrews here that could put me straight anyway. I like when we get in the New Testament, of course. And it means to laugh outright in merriment or scorn by implication to to sport, to laugh, to mock, to play, to make sport. And uh, in the New Testament, uh, the same passage is quoted in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 7, and, and and the Lord said there, neither be ye idolaters. And he quotes this, they sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And uh, the word uh, that is used in, in the Greek in the New Testament is to sport or to be like a child, just immature childish sort of behavior uh, that they were to do so this is the type of feast that men were putting on and they were dedicating it to god i think we can probably start to think where this is heading as far as the the new testament is concerned now if we uh, go on to read a little bit further uh, what happened here in verse 15 uh, god has said to him you better get down there they've already messed things up uh, not exact words he used, but that's what we understand. Anyway, Moses 10, verse 15, went down from the mountain, the two tables of the Testament. This was the Ten Commandments engraved on them. were in his hand, and the tables were written on both their sides, on one side and on the other where they were written, and the tables were the, the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. This is what these sort of parties sound like that the world puts on. There's so much racket, we've been invaded. And that's what the neighbours think if one happens next door to you. And so there's a war in the camp. And he said, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither it is the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that do sing that do I hear. Some raucous... Music that was going on. They probably had the amplifiers going full bore, and the, you know the trumpets, the ram's horns, and and all sorts of things, and uh, you know dancing around, and having a, an amazing good time, according to them. Uh, and it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, Moses he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. He broke these. Ten Commandments, well, they'd broken them uh, in in practice. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink of it. That's what happens when Dad gets really angry, isn't it? And, uh, right, I'm going to destroy this, this play thing that you've got, or this evil thing that you've done here, and I'm going to rub your noses in it. And uh, so that's, that's what he did. Um, and Moses said unto Aaron, What did these people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. Now hang on a minute. It was Aaron who had this idea. And he was the one that fashioned it. And they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what has become of him and I said unto them whosoever hath any gold let him break it off so they gave it to me and I cast it in the fire and lo and behold out came this calf miraculously I just threw it in the fire and it came out looking like this calf now that is a pretty pathetic sort of uh, excuse isn't it you hear sometimes you read reports of uh, things that have been tried and some of the incredibly lame excuses that they've got for terrible crimes they've committed. Anyway, that's what happened there. So that was was what mankind will do when they have a feast. God's not against us having a feast. We've got to have the feast that he describes, not what man contaminates, even if they put a Christian name on it. Uh, Let's go to uh, Daniel. Daniel chapter five. Now we're jumping a long way ahead in the history here. The children of Israel had done lots of things wrong, and they'd been punished, and they were sent off to uh, to Babylon. And uh, anyway, we'll we'll pick up the story here. The, the 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 temple had been ransacked; they'd taken all of the valuables out of there, and so on. And here we read about Belshazzar, who was, uh, well, he was either the son or the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, but anyway, Uh, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to the thousand of his lords, and this is what the Gentiles do when they they come up with a feast, and uh, uh, to the thousands of his lords, and drank the wine before the thousand, and Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, he commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which is at Jerusalem. And here again, they're wanting to bring in the things of God into all of this, bringing God's equipment into their party. And uh, so, <sighs> um, yeah, so anyway, I did I get to? who take taken of the temple which is in Jerusalem with the king and his, w- his princes, his wives and the heaps of them and his concubines might drink therein. How disgusting, taking these dedicated vessels out of the temple and here they are enjoying getting drunk and uh, drinking out of it. And when they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them, and they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass and iron, of wood and stone. But in the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote it over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And the king's countenance was changed. And his thoughts troubled him. I like this bit, so that his joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against the other. Yes, he suddenly realized he'd got to, he'd gone too far this time, and God was not happy with him and so he um then the message that was there- we won't go through the whole story; we just want to get to the one point here with this that when the writing was interpreted, it meant, in the uh, language that once it was translated, it it meant that your kingdom has been numbered. It meant that you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting, and your kingdom is finished. And so this applies to anywhere in the world where people want to contaminate the pure message of God and to bring worldly things into it, or to try to bring God into the worldly things, your numbers up when you start trying to do that sort of thing, and no wonder the world is in a mess because every religion you can think of, including Christianity, has sections of it have contaminated the pure message of God and brought all sorts of worldly things in, and it is uh, it is uh, identified through uh the uh, the things we read off here so the writing is on the wall when people bring that which is dedicated to god's glory but is brought into man's revelings okay let's go to isaiah i'm going to be back a bit from here and another illustration isaiah chapter one and we start reading in verse one the vision of isaiah he was the prophet the son of Amos, which he saw concerning judah and jerusalem in the days of uzziah jotham ahaz and hezekiah kings of judah now <coughs> he'd been the prophet for a long time and he was there under the reign of these uh, four different kings now we haven't got time to go through it all but if you want a reference you go back to second kings chapter 15 and 16 and, and 17 and 18 you can read about these people there now just uh, to go through it briefly um uh, uzziah um, he was also called Azariah and um, he did some good things but he left He let, left some of the pagan worship that was there still in place and the next king, his son Jotham, he, he was similar. He did some good things but he, he he compromised and a lot of other things come in. Now Ahaz, he was a real bad egg and uh, he... Uh, He copied the kings of the house of Israel who were all bad and he even copied the pagan uh, king uh, uh, Philgath-Pileser, the Assyrian. He'd enlisted his support along the way and uh, so (coughs) um, he not only befriended him but he copied him. He went and saw this idol that he had and he instructed his priest to make an idol like this one. And so we've got this corrupt king influencing the, the religious leader and so on. And, uh, and to copy this Assyrian altar. And so this is, um, this is the scene that we've got here. And this is what God had to say to them. And it's probably written, I'm assuming here, before Hezekiah came along because he was a good king, a very rare commodity as uh, is amongst most royal lines, and we're going to read here, Hero heavens, verse two, and give Hero earth. For the Lord has spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib. The animals know where they belong, but Israel, supposed they bearing my name, is ruling with God. Israel doth not know, and my people did not consider. Ah, sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corrupters. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores have not been clothed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Apart from that, they're not doing too bad. Yes, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and is desolate as overthrown by the strangers. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. You're just sitting out there like sitting ducks. Except the Lord of Hosts had left us unto a very small remnant, you should have been as Sodom and have been like unto Gomorrah. Your, if it wasn't for the fact that a few of you were still genuine, I would wipe you out like I did with Sodom and Gomorrah. And these are supposed to be God's people. We'll uh, we'll pick it up uh, a little bit further down here. Um, yeah, um, yeah, we might go down to. Uh, I'll read on, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. He's referring to them as that now. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Saith the Lord, I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or the lambs or of goats. Now, they are making sacrifices which God told them to make, and... But he said, I'm not impressed. You're just putting on a show here. But you're not genuine. Um, Verse 12. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my course? Bring no more vain oblations, empty offerings, incense is an abomination unto me, the new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates, they are trouble under me, and I am weary uh, to bear them. Uh, For you spread forth your hands, um, I will hide mine eyes from you, yea, when you make your prayers, I will not hear, your hands are full of blood. And so this was the type of feast that they were putting away, uh, putting on, and... They, uh, their attitude was belying the fact that they had gone through the the um, the outward show. He said, "Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow." And he said, "Look, you've just got to get your act together. You're rotten to the core, and you're putting on this religious." Religious show, but he said, "This is what I want to say to you. I've told you exactly how upset I am with you. But verse eighteen: Come now and let us reason together," saith the Lord. "They, your sins, be as scarlet; they, they be as, they shall be white as snow. They, they be red like crimson; they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel." you should be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And so in spite of the fact they had done all these things wrong and continued to do it for generations, well, he said, if you'll listen to me and if you'll repent and you will obey me, I will forgive you and I'll give you a new start. But if you refuse and you continue to rebel. Now, this is a solemn warning to all of us. To nations, to churches, to individuals, to families, we've got to make sure that we don't just put on an outward show and whatever feast that we put on, well, they've got to be with God in the middle of them. Let's go to the New Testament, Matthew 26, and we want to read there about the feast that God has ordained for us under the new covenant. And it is really an update on the Passover. The Passover it was a solemn feast to remember the deliverance from slavery in Egypt. In Matthew 26, I've got you turning to, and in verse 17, Jesus had gathered with his disciples. The first day of the week, verse 17, the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where wilt you wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And so they were going to partake as everybody did in Israel. This was the annual event to remember their deliverance from Egypt. And they had a feast and they sacrificed a lamb and they would eat this. And most people, you might have a few um, vegetarians, but most of us rather partial to roast lamb. And uh, so they uh, this is what they were doing and no doubt they, they looked forward. But it was also a solemn occasion because particularly for the lamb and uh, so but but this was of course getting to the point where jesus christ is the lamb of god and this was just the night before he was to be taken and and slain and so um, he gathered with his disciples and at verse 26 as they were eating jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to the disciples and said take eat this is my body He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so he instituted what we know as our communion time. And that's what we do. Every Sunday we gather here, and this is our feast. It might be that we come here and we don't actually eat anything except for a little piece of bread, and we don't drink anything apart from the little cup of the grape juice and so on. But spiritually, it's a feast because we're coming here not to remember Israel escaping from Egypt, but we remember when we escaped from the world. We remember when Jesus provided the the opening for us to escape and uh, how that he shed his blood so that we might be uh, delivered. Let's go to the book of First Corinthians now and it follows the theme a little bit more. First Corinthians and chapter 5. Now, the Corinthians had heard the gospel. Paul had been there, and uh, he'd moved on. But they, obviously, people came and got baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues, we know this. But they'd soon got things out of order, and uh, their whole behavior was quite worrying and paul wrote this blister of a letter to them and told them to, to to wake up to themselves and here we read in chapter 5 how he was dealing with the, the fact they'd compromise over morals and in, we read in verse 1 it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the gentiles that one should have his father's wife you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that you might have He that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. He said, this is absolutely disgusting. And you've still got this person in your fellowship. You've got to tell him to go out of the fellowship and get his life in order. And then when he's convinced you that he's got his life in order, well, we can give him a chance to get on with his life. But not the way he is. This is compromise. We can't have that. In verse three, for I verily, as absent in the body, but present in spirit have judged already. I've had enough, as though I were present, even if though I'm not here concerning him that has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, He said, This is my order, and Jesus Christ has been backing me up a hundred percent to deliver such a one unto Satan, kick him out of the fellowship. Why? So that be the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord uh, Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And that's what happens with compromise. You start off allowing a little bit. Oh, we don't want to upset. What about his family? What about his family? He'd already wrecked his family. This guy, and uh, you know what about his friends and all? These are your friends, my dear, and all this sort of stuff. And uh, so we can't compromise. We've got to make a stand for the truth. We've got to keep immorality out of the church. We've got to keep other problems out of the church. Of course, a lot of people make mistakes and you don't, you don't kick everybody out because they did one little thing. But this was a way of life with this fellow. And so anyway, we, uh, we're going to read there. Purge out the old leaven, verse 7, uh, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb, and this is the feast. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. That's the old leaven. That's the way of the world. That's the way of Belshazzar. That's the way of the Israelites when they were out there in in the desert that are corrupting what God has said to, to do. Therefore, uh, let us keep the peace, not with the old leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and of truth. And so God is looking at our hearts, and he is not fooled by what the outward show that we put on. We can, well, in actual fact, I think quite often the more outward show that religion puts on, the more corrupt they are on the inside. And uh, there are some religions, some of them claim to be Christian, and they put all sorts of amazing pageants. When we were in Italy a few years ago, there was a brother who'd been converted, and he used to, I think he came from Naples, uh, but uh, he um, um, yeah, was an interesting fellow. He had an amazing testimony, great healing. Uh, the, the pastor there was interpreting his testimony to us. And uh, and he described how sick he had been. He was really a death's door, and then he came through and he said, um, uh, "But now I'm as fit as a mallee bull." I said, "How do you get that?" In the what what's a mallee bull in in Italy? He said, "Ah, oh, they got something saying about a fish, but that's what it means." The the pastor was actually a, a, an Australian Italian and so on, but anyway, so that. Um, he used to organise the pageants, the Catholic pageants, and uh, before down there in, in Naples and so on. And uh, so, anyway, let's get back to the Scriptures. Where did we get to? Um, yeah, so Christ is our Passover. And uh, so, anyway, let's let's go on to chapter 10. And it tells us there in chapter 10, uh, verse 14, Dearly beloved, flee from idolatry that's that's what it is when you start worshiping it's uh we quoted there from uh, verse seven before Um, flee from idolatry i speak to a wise man judge ye what i say the cup of blessing which we bless and we're going to do that shortly is it not the communion of the blood of christ the bread which we break it is not the communion of the body of christ for we being many are one body and uh, for we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread. So that's what we're here for, to partake of this feast, to spiritually to feast upon the victory that Jesus Christ has purchased for us. He has provided. We're all been invited. You just got to leave your old life outside the door. You've got to come in with the wedding garment on. And so this is, of course, we've repented, we've been baptised, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we've been cleansed. And here we are partaking of the feast. But God is warning us, don't try and bring the ways of the world in. Don't try and bring your contamination in. Don't try and bring really pagan stuff in. And don't try and bring religious stuff in which is not what I have prescribed. And so we go on to read there. Uh, we'll take it up uh, down in, uh, in verse uh, verse 20. But when I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils do not do we provoke the lord to anger are we stronger than he all things are lawful for me but all things are not expedient all things are lawful but all things edify not let not man seek his own but every man another's another's wealth and so it's a time for us to examine ourselves we're here at the communion service we're here at the lord's feast Sometimes we don't realise that. We don't think about it. We come, oh, yes, the communion. Yeah, I suppose i better go. You know, it's sort of expected that we'll have the the truant officer called a pastor that comes around knocking on our door during the week and, oh, we didn't see you there on Sunday. Well, if you're only coming for that reason, well, you're not really seeing the point. But we come here because it's a feast. We're going to feast on the word of God. We're going to feast on our fellowship with each other. We're... We're going to partake and we're going to leave all of the other things of uh, this life and this world outside. Let's go to chapter 11 and uh, we read there in verse uh, uh, verse 17. Now on this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better but for the worse. And this is their communion service. He just reminded them that they've been really trying to worship God and the devil at the same time. He said, uh, when you come together, it's not good. You're actually worse. You're making each other worse. But first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. You're arguing with each other. You haven't reconciled your differences with your brother, with your husband, with your wife, with your parents, and all this sort of thing. And so you're coming in here... And uh, you smile and you sing the hymns and you take the communion and all that sort of thing, but you've got to sort your life out. Don't blame everybody else for your wrong. Anyway, he says, uh, for there must also be heresies among you, and they which are, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. What he's really saying here. The way you're doing it, that's not what I had in mind. I didn't, I didn't uh, want you to just to use this as a social event where you come together and you haven't solved your problems. He goes on later in the chapter you, when you partake of it, you've got to examine yourself and then eat of the bread and drink of the cup, because uh, the way you're doing it now is not good. Now, maybe the things I've said here might have actually convicted one or two people. And if that's happened, hallelujah, maybe it'll convict us all a little bit. I've got to make sure when I come before the Lord to his feast, when you think about it, if uh, you're going to some important person who has invited you for a meal, you, you would wear your wedding garment. There's a parable about that as well. You wouldn't come in your grubby old clothes. You wouldn't, uh, you know, just sort of come in there and sort of go and put your feet up on the table and, and so on. You, you would come in respectfully and you would realise that that's the way you should do it. Anyway, we've come to the Lord's feast now. Here we are, praise the Lord. And uh, so then it quotes what we read back here in Matthew uh, uh, 26 before. And um, uh, so anyway, it talks um, in Jude, I won't, Jude verse 12, is only one chapter, it talks about these people who come in with divisive ideas and doctrines and practices are spots in your feasts of charity. The word spots actually mean like hidden reefs. And uh, that's a pretty good description because there are people who come in, sometimes they come into our fellowship And they come in to undermine. They come in to break down their standards. They come in to be critical and say, oh, in that church that you go to, the the Revival Fellowship, oh, they're as hard as nails. They they expect you to, uh, what they say is they expect you to do what the pastor expects them to do in their life. No, God expects them to do what he has demanded and he expects the pastors to tell you clearly what it is that he has uh, has got to say. And so some people come in and they sneak into our fellowship, whether it be here or at our social activities or whatever, and they want to undermine us. Like, oh, why don't you come along to, to our fellowship? Because you know, there's more people there and they've got better songs than you've got. And, uh, and all these sort of things. Well, don't listen to them. God has put you here. Anyway, look, I want to finish off, and maybe I should have started this because... I want to talk to you about evangelism. Luke chapter 14. I'm going to finish off with this little parable. But it talks here in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus said, when you make a suffer, in verse uh, 12 of chapter 14, he said unto them that bade him. Now he'd been invited into a Pharisee's house an interesting contrast wasn't it and um, and he noticed that some of the people that came in there they went and sat in the most important seats so he, he observed that and so he had to go at them straight away he said look you know if you were humble you'd take the least important seat and then the, the host would say you will come up a bit higher but you really should have been told because you thought well, you were more important than you are you should have been told to go and sit in the lowly seat. So he, he got that over, and then, then he told them another story. He said, well, he, he told them something that they do, and this is something which maybe we all do. We, we put on a party. He said to them that bade him, When you make a dinner or a supper or a feast, call not your friends nor your brethren, neither your kinsmen nor your rich neighbours, lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt have recompense in the resurrection of the just. Okay, so this is the feast. We invite people here, but maybe they won't come to us straight away. This is the greatest feast they could come to. But when you put on a supper or a party, somebody has a birthday, or there's a wedding, or a Whatever we get, we get the uh, best chance we get is funerals. So if you're thinking of having a funeral for yourself in the near future, make sure that you invite lots of people along. And we've had that. I remember when our, our brother Raymond uh, passed away. Um, he he was well prepared, and uh, he preached to us uh, at his uh, at, at his own funeral. He came on there it was Britt confronting for the family, I think. But oh, we won't forget that, in a hurry. And he still had instructions for all of us as what to do. So anyway, so whatever it is, you bring people along. But getting right down to simple things, we are a great fellowship. We have a lot of time together. But I think we spend too much time just with each other. You know, when Pastor Godfrey was here, he said two important things, evangelism and shepherding. Now, we make the excuse, oh, we're shepherding. We're having people over for, for fellowship. Well, that's okay, but do we, as he said here, he said, what you shouldn't do uh, is call your friends. That's okay for me, I haven't got any, but anyway. uh, I have really, but anyway. Nor your brethren, nor your kinsmen, your relatives, nor your rich neighbours, lest they bid thee again and a recompense be made. When you make a feast... Call the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Call the people with needs. Look around and find people that you can invite. And why I'm saying this about evangelism is that we keep on saying from the platform you should go to outreaches. You should go down to the markets. You should go door knocking. You should stand on the street corner and all this. And a lot of you feel you can't do that. And uh, uh, you know, some of us feel more comfortable with one than the other. I mean, I have just happened to be one who would be more comfortable door-knocking, but um, as long as I haven't got chihuahua with dogs because I got bitten by one once. Um, but uh, uh, but, but you, you mightn't feel comfortable with either of those things, but what you can do is exactly what Jesus said here, put on a supper, put on a meal. People love food, saved and unsaved, they all like it. And, uh, you know, I wonder how many have come from that. I think if the testimony and some of the family are here today. Up in Darwin, years ago, um, Nick and, and Anthea, I think it was just Nick that went along first, he was invited to a barbecue. The weather up there at this time of the year particularly is fantastic. And uh, uh, so he went to this barbecue. He turned up with his cans of beer. But nobody was going to drink any of it. But that was the thing that he first came to and is impressed with the hospitality, but more importantly, he heard the gospel and he and his whole family came to the Lord. And that was the first contact that was made there. So put on a barbecue, invite people, go up and down the street, invite them in. If you're shy to do that sort of thing, let's all work, let's talk about it, let's get together and say, oh, look, I'm not really good at this and I don't know about having... Um, you know, even putting on a party but someone, oh look, I don't mind putting on the party. Uh, I'll be the hostess and, and you bring the people in and they'll mix with our folks and all that sort of thing. That's something we can all do, isn't it? And uh, bring them in and there's plenty of us who'd be happy to talk to them when they get there. So that's the clue to us if we realise that the feast is what God provides and uh, we've He's provided all all of the uh, the goodies for us, and uh, but don't let the parties degenerate. And I I've said this before. There are times when some of the parties that have happened in our assembly are a worry to us because they're not really a, a spiritual event. And there's some of the things we we talked about there before, where there's Some of the words that I found quite descriptive there, um, (coughs) when they talked about the, uh, out in the desert there, the word that was used, to laugh outright in merriment or scorn, sometimes the, the joking gets very borderline, almost obscene at times. And people, oh, well, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That's right, you shouldn't have said that. But uh, And there there are other things that go on, and people want to have, you know, loud, blaring music and all this sort of thing, Um, you know, and uh, we've just got to be careful. And whatever you do, don't invite people to your party that used to be with us and have gone off and are now campaigning to get our members to leave us and to go and join them because they haven't got anything Better to off them. And so we've got to watch out for all of those things. Anyway, you've heard enough from me and, um, and all the people said. Yes.